Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello? I can't hear anything. Hello. Hey, Chris. How we doing? Great. <laughs> I love Block Talk Radio. Just for everybody, if anyone's still going to be listening to this, um, sorry guys, they've been booting us out. Uh, wouldn't let me connect, so I had to call in on a guest line, and now we're here. So, welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, Sometimes life throws us uh, these annoying curveballs, so there's yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> there's no doubt but about anyway. that. So we'll ju- anyway, let's uh, actually there's a lot of happy news from from a personal standpoint in terms of hockey personal for uh, both of us to talk about. But let's why don't we jump in into uh, the Vegas Golden Knights San Jose Shark series? A very controversial thing to talk about. Uh, in game two, but what what has your your sense been so far in the series, Mark? Well, San Jose owned game one, no doubt about it. Uh, Martin Jones played good, but the Golden Knights are playing right into their hands, and it continued again last night. Um, the, the, the Sharks' demo is to take a bunch of liberties, if you will, to get you off your game and get you to take retaliatory penalties and capitalize upon it. That's what the Sharks do. Five on fives, they're nowhere near as good as the Golden Knights. Um, That's been proven in the series. Uh, Even in game one, five on fives, the Golden Knights were um, even even strength. It was one-to-one. Any other other – format, four-on-four, four-on-three, there was a five-on-three, there was even some three-on-three time. Um, The Sharks outscored them four-to-one. In game two, they come out on fire, three goals in the first seven minutes or so, and then Colin Miller takes a penalty, they don't score, Colin Miller comes out of the box, Um. But then he takes another penalty, and it starts down the same trail that the Golden Knights are going to have to break if they're going to get past the Sharks. And the Sharks score three goals in the last three, three minutes of the second per- or first period and tie the game up going to locker room. Um, and then I guess this is where the controversy you were talking about was. Starting the second period, uh, the Sharks appeared to score a goal, but it was waved off immediately due to contact with Marc-Andre Fleury in the crease. On the ensuing power play, uh, Mark Stone pots one in, and the Knights were able to hold on. William Carlson scored a, a shorty later in the game, uh, pretty much to seal the deal. But they continued to take penalties and penalties the rest of the game, and it's, it's just playing into the Sharks' hand. I've seen the Sharks do this too many times in the playoffs, watching them against the Kings, and when you play whistle-to-whistle against them, Let's say you're standing near the, the crease and their goalie makes the save, holds the puck, gets the face off. You start to skate away and they cross check you in the back. Just keep skating away. Don't turn around and get involved with it. Go back to the bench, do a change, go to the face off dot, whatever you have to do. 
you don't respond to it. That's how you play into the Sharks game. You let them get under your skin. If you skate away, they get even more frustrated. Then they get more egregious, and the penalties start getting called on them. That's how you beat. That's how you. That's how you play the Sharks. That's how you beat the Sharks. And they're going to have to clean that up going into Game Three, or we're going to see the same same thing again. So they yeah, got I their mean, split. They got their split. They're coming home one-one. That's what they wanted to do. Um, two would be better. That's what Flurry said. But uh, they did what they had to do on the road. They got their win. They came out with a fast start in Game Two. They need to continue doing that in the series. They chased Martin Jones. They need to continue doing that in the series, and they'll be fine. Yeah, clearly um, one of the biggest strengths of the Sharks is their power play left side to side. I mean, coming up two shorthanded goals, one of which, incredibly, was on a five-on-three, which is, you know, if you're the yeah, team, you know, if you're the team with a five-on-three and you don't score, it's such a letdown to let, a, let alone for that to happen and then give up a goal, but uh, that's not a formula you want to go down with. Uh, yeah, I, again, um, I I got to tell you, I, I, maybe per the rule book, because I was, you know, looking at, you know, I watched the NHL Network last night to get their views on the disallowed goal that would have given, uh, obviously, the Sharks uh, say they had a lot of momentum coming back from 3-0 last night to tie it at 3 and then would have taken the lead. Uh, I guess per the rule book, because um, uh, the, the analysts on NHL Network uh, thought it was a bad call, but then looking at it again, they thought it was the right call. And then I think the um, NBC folks, including Keith Jones, although Keith Jones had a good point, he thought it was it should have been disallowed, but he didn't think it should have been a penalty. Because that's that's the other part of it. You can call goalie yeah. interference without a penalty. And That's true. Yeah, so the part I don't understand is uh, Cordier was, I mean, he was outside the crease. I mean, he's entitled to screen the goalie. He's entitled to, to be outside the crease. I mean, Flory's entitled to go to the top of the crease or outside it too, but if someone's outside the crease and the, and the goalie, you know, wants to move up and, uh, go outside his crease. He's allowed to do that, but then if there's contact, then I shouldn't. In my opinion, that I, I shouldn't be on the forward. Uh, I don't understand that at all. And 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 there then specific, there's specific language in the rule that says even if the goalie is outside the crease, contact that prevents him from an attempt to make a save is considered goaltender interference. There's specific language in that rule. That, yeah, I know, but the thing know, is, the, the, the cream, Cordier, the cream Cordier makes it guaranteed. established, right? Cordier established makes it a guaranteed so, call, right? Cordier, you see, the problem I have is, and maybe this is what the rules say: well, tough luck. But the problem I have is, Cordier got there first. It wasn't like Flurry was outside the crease first, and then Cordier got there. Cordier got there first, watched the replay a few times, and then Flurry. Uh, but, you know, I, I, think it's, I just think it's a terrible rule. Um, I'm, not, I'm not for goalie interference or anything like that, but, I mean, especially in the playoffs. Guys, you see it all the time. We see so many goals so far where uh, goals have happened from screening the goalie and things of that nature. Um, but then to add insult to injury, to, to call a penalty on it, which then makes it an unreviewable play, which I think is a terrible rule, by the way. To me it should still be allowed to be reviewed. Uh, so to me, that was just a, there was so many things I didn't like about it, but to me, you want if you want to say that I'm disallowing the goal, I don't, I, I, I don't agree with that, but I, I seem to be in the minority. Uh, that's, that's fine. And if that's by the letter of the law, although again, I don't like that rule at all, but that's just me. Uh, but to, but they, you know, he, the, the, there was no intent by Cordier to, you know, rub to cause contact against Flurry. He was trying to cause a screen. Yeah, I, I would just say it like this. Uh, and I, you know, I pull for the Knights, but I'm, I, you know, I don't bleed. Um, uh, you know, the uh, the, the colors of the Knights, the black and gold. Thank you. I'm, my brain's all over the place this week. Um, so. Um, if I was a diehard Vegas Golden Knights fan, I would say to myself, oh, my God, we just got a 
unbelievable break. And if I was a San Jose Sharks fan, I would think we just got hosed. That, I mean, I'm just saying if I was those fans, that's how I would feel. Um, yeah. But, you know, ha- having said all that, having said all that, if you're the Sharks, you know, it's early second period, kill the freaking penalty and and move on or come back. It's only 4-3 at that point, early second. You know, you have to person. Not that I'm trying to compare this, um, uh, the, the Islander series, and we'll get to that later on. But in game one of the Islander series, and this is a little bit different. It's not as a, as a painful situation, but it was a critical time in the game. Uh, basically, in the, for, for the, in the third period, uh, they, you know, they swallowed the whistles. I mean, you, unless you were going to tackle somebody um, on a golden opportunity, they weren't going to call a penalty. That's how they, they basically were calling the third period in game one. Then, lo and behold, uh, they call a ticky-tack penalty with around 10 minutes, 12 minutes to go in the third period because Anders Lee, you know, was right around Sidney Crosby, and now they're going to call a ticky-tack penalty. And that, you know, you can't have that. I know it's Sidney Crosby, yada, yada, yada. But the moral of the story was that was a really r- bad call and a really unfortunate call for the Islanders at a really critical time. But they got through it. They killed the penalty. You have to be resilient. So the Sharks, you know, yeah, it was a bad call. And I saw an interview with Evander Kane after the game, and he was upset about it. And I get it. But guess what? You're going to have to overcome situations that aren't the greatest in terms of calls or situations. Now, that was huge because it wasn't just we should have gotten a power play or we will put it on the PK when we shouldn't have kind of evolved an actual goal. So I get it. That's even a, a higher level. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta overcome these things. Things, things are gonna happen that you're gonna have to get through. Yeah. Well, going into the 20 minute mark, there's nine penalties on the Knights, and I'm looking at it now. Uh, four penalties on the Sharks. I don't think the Sharks have too much to worry about um, as far as not getting calls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that one was just like, so for me, such a bizarre, bizarre one kind of thing. But, you know, like I said, I'm, it seems to be, I seem to be in the minority and it seems to be the letter of the law. But, yeah, I, I, like I said, that's, you know, I mean, if any, you know, if anything, a goalie could start embellishing, I'm not saying Flurry did, but if goalie can start embellishing when he gets beat, just act like he got hit, you know, and it's like, hey, I got hit, you know. Uh, yeah, that is, and we've seen we've seen many more uh, many more egregious cases of goaltender interference where they allowed the goal to stand. Uh, Absolutely. In the, in, in the regular season, you have someone laying on the goalie in the crease, and the puck goes in and they say good goal and everyone's scratching their head like, uh, okay, <laughs> that's, that's not interference, I guess. And there was contact between uh, Couturier's backside and Fleury's head. It was. And maybe, that, maybe that's what it was, was because there was contact to the head and the, the refs didn't like that. I don't know. But the, part I don't like, the part I, I don't like is Couturier got to the spot first. First of all, it was outside the crease. And second of all, Cordier got there and established position first. So contact came when Fleury moved forward, and 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 obviously the Cordier, the player, is is facing puck, so he's got his back to the goalie in the net. So you know what I mean? Like I I, I just so given all those givens, uh, that's why I I really don't like the play. I mean, I'm glad the Knights won, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I was not. A, I was not a fan of the call. And then, like I said, insult to injury. You give Cody a, you should have just said no goal, and then, you know, that's it. Now, obviously, the Sharks would have um, ch- probably challenged it, which is fine. And then, you know, if it went by the letter of the law, then it, it, the goal would have stayed. But I don't, the penalty ball was even even worse. But you know what? You know, you know how about Aaron Dell not give up a juicy rebound like he did? Uh, and then making an easy goal for Mark Stone and make it 4-3. I mean, the Sharks' goaltending last night was uh, not good and not going to win a lot of playoff games. They're going to get goaltending. Uh, I know there was I know there was too many breakaways and three-on-twos and two-on-ones and things of that nature, 
So that, that, that's part of part and parcel, which we talked about going into the series, that the Sharks have not played great team defense along with not getting great goaltending. They kind of go hand in hand. And um, But, uh, yeah, they, they got to tighten things up a, a lot more than that. San Jose, if they're going to win the series. Look, if you have eight power plays and the other team scores more on your power plays than you do, oh. there's, there's – there's something to be said. The Knights penalty kill did a fantastic job, and let's let's give credit where credit's due. Um, I'm not blaming the refs. I don't like that. It, it was a call that was made, and both teams are going to get bad calls. Both teams are going to get favorable Absolutely. calls. It's going it's to even out. Um, but if you have eight power plays and you score once and the other team score twice on your power plays, then that's a recipe to lose in, in my book. So... Um, the, let's give the nice penalty killers all the credit in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they did a tremendous job. Tough, situ- tough situations. You know, so even if at the end of the day we can, you, you know, everyone comes out and says, you know what, they got absolutely hosed or whatnot, um, you have to overcome it. And it, it was still early in the game. It was only early second period. You're only down by a goal. I mean, when you're only down by a goal, it's been down by three goals in the first, you know, six minutes of the game. It doesn't seem that huge of a obstacle, especially with all the players that they have, all the offensive players that they have. And um, so, yeah, you got to, you have to overcome. But um, so, it'll be, like I said, it'll be, uh, you know, to me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still thinking of a long series, but unless the Sharks really tighten up. Uh, some of their team defensive play and and get better goaltending. I, I mean, uh, I said uh, I said the Knights in seven. I still feel good about that. Yeah, and well, the, the Knights have to stay out of the penalty box. There's that's the well, other, that's true too. That's the other thing. You can't play into their shenanigans. You have to play your game. So like if they play like they played the game last night, even though they did take two penalties in the first ten minutes. Um, They'll they'll be fine in the series. I, I I feel much better now because the Sharks played a near perfect game against the Knights in Game One. Um, again, give credit where credit is due. The Sharks beat the Knights in all facets of the game. Um, in Game One, and I was I was concerned going into Game Two, but they they ended up getting the split, even though they still haven't played close to their best hockey, except for I mean the third period last night. Uh, the Knights had four shots on goal. Now I get it; they were they were protecting their lead. They were making sure the puck got out, <laughs> um, so on and so forth. But um, they, we still haven't seen the Sharks' best period. I don't think in this series, or the, the Golden Knights' best period in this series. And then at the end of the game, just uh, I haven't seen an update yet, but it looked like Cody Eakin got his nose broke in the scrum. Um, the, again, the whistle, the whistle, the horn blows. The game's over. Uh, skating out of the corner, and Evander Kane, of course, um, cross checks someone in the back, and then three Golden Knights jumped on him, and it turned into a full line brawl against against the sideboards in the corner. And uh, Eakin skated out of it with uh, a very bloody face mask and and a very bloody uniform. So I don't know what his status is going to be. I'm pretty sure if he has to go with the shield he's playing. Cody Eakin played a great game last night. Um, he was physical, more physical than I've seen him. He was fast. Scored the first goal on a nice night from the slot. Um, first shift to the game for him. And I, I thought Cody Eakin should have been, you know, one of, the, one of the three stars of the game. He played fantastic. <coughs> um, so and Vlasic got hurt for San Jose, so that I don't come back. And he didn't come back, so if he's going to miss any time in this series, that's going to talk to book about before about tidying up defensively. He's a big part of that, so uh, that's that's going to be a, a hit to the Sharks. But again, you got to over. I keep saying the word, you got to overcome because everyone's going to get some injuries here and there. Um, there was quite a few scrums at the end of the game last night uh, in some of these, uh, you know, contests. Uh, uh, the Sharks one was that one for sure. It was, there was one uh, uh, with the Islanders uh, as well. 
I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm missing one. I think there was a third one. Can't remember what now. But uh, what time's the game? What time is game three tomorrow, uh, Vegas time? Um, let me check real quick. I was just. That's uh, probably a night game. I'm guessing. Ah, uh, night game. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock Pacific. It's seven o'clock. It's okay. So ten uh, Eastern. So. Yeah, like I said, I think we're I think we're in for a, a, you know a long series. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Sharks bounce back. I'm sure they're smarting from their own play. Again, you have a five on three and you give up a short-handed goal and don't score yourself to boot. Uh, and you go back and look at a close game, you're like, oh my god, you know how did how, how did that happen? You know, so uh, and you like to see Vegas uh, play a, a full 60 minutes. But I will say one thing. And I loved about the Vegas game probably the most yesterday, and then we can move on to the, some of the other series in the West and then go East. But that is, you know, to be up 3 nothing like that, and, you know, that, and, and you have to feel really good. And, and then all, not only does it go away, but before the end of the first period, especially a late, a late one or a couple of late ones, to go from 3 nothing to 3-3, to go into the locker room and say, all right, tie game throw it out, it's behind us, let's move forward. Again, resiliency, uh, a big theme. And uh, so I, I really did like that a lot from uh, from the Vegas team. Yeah, they they did talk about that at the uh, postgame. And, yeah, the ability to put go from the high to the low and then even give up the first goal in the second, even though it was just loud, and, and come back. There's some fortitude, there's some – you know, you're on the high, you're on the low, there's some adversity. And, yeah, okay, let's say they get a break and, and the goal's just loud and then they score on the power play. But then to go ahead and finish the game off, um, get the win on the road, that's uh, that's a good sign for the Golden Knights for sure. Well, why don't we jump over to the Winnipeg-St. Louis series. And i got to tell you, I watched a good part of that second half of that game last night. And uh, oh, yeah. I'd, be re- I'd be really concerned if I was a Jets fan right now, beyond the obvious, beyond losing the first two two games and close games, both at home, um, that that game-winning goal that Hellebuck gave up, that can't happen. Uh, I'm not saying it was a it was a total Mr. Softy, but in these games, that can't happen. And uh, it was a nice snapshot by Ryan O'Reilly, but you got to keep that puck out of the net. Uh, I don't like. Uh, Again, Hellebuck, you know, again, we talked about, like, the Sharks. Uh, as good as Winnipeg was, like San Jose, in terms of record, um, they they did not have a great year in terms of playing total team defense and did not, and correspondingly, did not have uh, a great year from their number one goalie. And uh, that has, you know, continued in the playoffs. And, um, uh, you know, there's like, there was huge expectations for this uh, young team coming into – uh, the season. I think the Hockey News, uh, for instance, as one uh, publication predicted the Jets would get to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and, you know, to me, they, you know, they had a disappointing, you know, it shows you how talented they are. When you have a, whatever it was, a 98, almost 100 point season, and I, I feel like it was a disappointing regular season for the Jets, um, that shows you how talented they are. But, um, you know, this is going to test this this team's medal uh, right here. And I know St. Louis is one of the top road teams. They have a very mediocre at best home record. And it's still a long way to go in the series. But I, I would say, if you know, I would, I'm, I would be very concerned about where Winnipeg's at right now. And, and St. Louis has continued to uh, pick up where they've left off, uh, you know, basically one of the top teams in the league since January, since the calendar turned to 2019. So, uh, very concerned if I, if I was a Jets fan. 100%. Um, when we did our playoff uh, preview episode last Tuesday, I was so borderline going to pick the, the Blues. I, I call that series a toy, coin toss. And yeah, I, the, only, the only reason I didn't take the Blues was because of the rookie goaltender. And even though Hellbuck hasn't been, you know, as good as he was last season, I thought that just the experience of being through a round of the playoffs and, and going through that would would be enough 
to get past the rookie goaltender. But uh, Jordan Bennington, what a <laughs> what a story that kid's turning out to be. Uh, goes on the road in his first two. I saw a stat this morning on NHL Network. Only one rookie goaltender has been on the road and won his first two starts, and that was Curtis Joseph. So if you're the if you've done something that only Cujo has done, um, and 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 you're next to him, then you've done something pretty well. And I mean, kudos to him. He kept him in it last night when when Winnipeg was buzzing, um, and and you know allowed them to get to the point where they could take advantage of Hellebuck and score that game winning goal. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I've seen a different version of these St. Louis Blues win the first two games of a playoff series and then lose the next four to the Kings. I don't think this version of that the Blues is going to do that. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think the Blues are going to win the series. I, I'm kicking myself for not going with my heart on this one and, and listening to my head. Uh, St. Louis has been, aside from Tampa, the best team in, in the West since January 1st. Um, to go from dead last in the league to one point from winning the division, um, that team's got the mojo right now. And I, I, I mean, the one good sign for the Winnipeg Jets is Patrick Lyon has scored in both games, and he hasn't scored in, I think, 19 games before the last game of the season. So maybe his scoring touch is coming back a little bit. Um, that's that's a bright spot. That's something they can look forward to. Maybe Morrissey's got the rust off, and he can he can start working his way into run, driving that offense um, the way he can. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're in Chess Nation, the they're gonna have to play their best game in Game Three for sure. Yeah, and today's a big day for the Nashville Predators because you know there's a couple of teams. Uh, uh, in particular, well, uh, they don't. The Nashville Predators don't want to follow the path of the Winnipeg Jets, and that is not only to go down 2-0, but lose the first two games at home. So, you know, Dallas again, other. right? And Dallas and Dallas again, uh, getting good, good. You know, this is their secret to their success this year uh, was uh, good overall team defense, great goaltending, and you know, finding a way to win close games, and that's how they. Uh, they got the number one wild card, and that they were able to follow that formula in game one, went with a 3-2 win. Uh, getting Matsu Corello back uh, was uh, huge in the game as he, uh, yeah. he was uh, involved on the game winner. Uh, the young stud, young defenseman, had a couple of goals, and, you know, that's what Dallas is going to look to do to win these 3-2, 2-1 games and hopefully, you know, get some big plays out of Ben and Sagan and, and Roger off at, at key times. And um, so it's a it's a big game. To, you know, I'm not I'm not you know you only everyone's gonna lose the game. You're gonna lose home games along the way. Um, you know, this isn't the NBA. Uh, you're gonna lose home games along the way, and you're gonna win road games along the way. Nashville definitely a team that can win on the road. So, but having said that, uh, this is a big game. This is. Uh, this is a big game for both uh, uh, for, for the Predators today. This is a, a game they need to win. Yeah, I do think that, that Nashville will um, some, some way find a way to win tonight. Um, surprised me when you threw out all the defensive stats on Dallas. They have the reputation, obviously, of being that offensive team. And that they – played that good of team defense all year was was surprising to me actually so they used that same recipe like you said and if, if Dallas can win game two we're going to have four unlikely two nothing series I believe <laughs> yeah, or four, yeah four underdogs up two nothing right yeah yeah because uh, I mean to, to preview the East, I don't, no one had Columbus up to nothing, and oh. you got to got to figure uh, Pittsburgh was going to get a, a split on Long Island, um, and then obviously the St. Louis series being up to nothing. That's right. um, the crazy crazy round of first round of the playoffs so far. The other 
the other Western was Calgary, which couldn't have uh, couldn't have gotten off to a better, you know, first game to the series. Only one game. So if you're Colorado and you come out and win tonight, all is well in the world. But if you're Calgary, uh, couldn't ask for a better first game, get a shutout. So uh, maybe that makes, uh, you know, even though he's a veteran, everyone always needs confidence. And, you know, you know, obviously they're goaltending and, Mike Smith had a, had a strong game one. Um, so uh, it will be interesting to see if Colorado can, can break through tonight, uh, get a split. If not, uh, you got you, you know, you to like uh, the position Calgary will be in. Yeah, well, that game was nothing, nothing for a long time. And, and I got to give it up to Mike Smith. I've been, I've been critical of the old boy. But uh, maybe it was because he was wearing the Mike Vernon throwback mask. In game one, but he did pitch the shutout, and he kept him in the game. When I mean Colorado was pushing play in the in the first period quite a bit. Um, I watched I watched a good part of that game too, and they had they had a few power plays back to back in the first period, and and Mike Smith Mike Smith played a heck of a game. The, the Vernon throwback mask was. Awesome, I thought. I, I looked, I'm like, what is that? And then the announcer said, well, it's a tribute to Mike Vernon. I was like, okay. That was the last time that Calgary had won a playoff series. I believe Mike Vernon was in that. So he, he busted out a Vernon throwback mask. was awesome. And uh, channeled his Mike Vernon. So he kept him in the game early. Colorado was definitely buzzing and had some high-quality scoring chances. <laughs> and then the game got away from him. But if they can match that compete level in, in in game two here and break that wall on Mike Smith, I think that's when he tends to unravel a little bit. So the longer you let him go being successful without scoring on him, the more the more confidence he seems to grow. And that, that was the case in, in game one. So it'll behoove Colorado to, to come out like the Golden Knights did and get one or two early and, and rattle them up a little bit. And Calgary's a team that can kind of lose discipline, lose lose uh, lose their focus, and start taking penalties as well. So if if I mean that's the recipe for Colorado's success is to get them rattled a little bit, score, jump on them, start fast, um, get them to take a couple penalties, take advantage of the power play, increase the lead, and then play from there. Um, should be a good game, though. I, I, I don't think it'll be another 4 nothing game out of out of Calgary. This is my upset pick, so I think Colorado will respond tonight. I don't know if they get the win or not, but I think they'll, they'll have a much better effort uh, for 60 minutes than they did in game one. Well, I guess I should go to the East now and talk about the biggest surprise by far, and that's the uh, Blue Jackets being up 2-0. And, you know, from from afar, haven't seen a lot of this series other than the highlights simply because it's been on the same time as the Islanders, and that has been a, a bit of an intense religious experience watching that. So, anyway, um, in terms of Tampa from afar, you know, they they, they get up 3 nothing in game one. And from from what I uh, heard and read and speaking with a good friend of the show, Dan Harrigan, they try to put the game in a freezer and uh, try to play not to lose uh, the rest of the way. Although, I, ironically, they, he, it seems like they, Cooper did that. And then in the third period, while, you know, uh, he, with about, I think want to say, 10 minutes to go, was it? And they're up 3-2 on the power play. He's got all – I think he had all forwards out on the ice. And that's – you know, they have defensemen who who are good offensively. That's if, – if there's – you know, to me, uh, I you know, that's a point where you might want to be a little bit more conservative given the situation. I'm obviously going to try to score on the power play to put that game away. But um, anyway, uh, so – and maybe things came a little bit too easy for Tampa Bay and – Maybe mentally they said, oh, this is going to be easy, and everyone's telling them, everyone's saying it's going to be easy and all that stuff, and maybe subconsciously that kicked in. I don't know. But then that game, you know, gets away from them, and you're like, all right, it's one game. Kudos to Columbus for hanging in there. But, uh, you know, they, yeah, wake up call. 
but they did not respond well last night. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, we all knew going – we all knew not even just going to the playoffs. We all knew going back to probably December that the way, you know, that the, that the Lightning was going to the year one of the, the big favorites, and at that point with a clear number one team in the league, uh, we all knew at that point that it was Stanley Cup or boss for the – for the Lightning, that anything other than a Stanley Cup championship this year was going to be a huge disappointment. And maybe that expectation, that pressure that comes along with that, uh, is is gotten into that room. And we've talked about how a lot of those guys on that team have all come very, you know, both from wearing a Lightning sweater to wearing another sweater like the New York Rangers, people like Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi, to name a couple, uh, come very close to winning a cup, but haven't gotten there. And, you know, maybe that they're, they're, it, it's a bit of a mental battle for them, and they didn't respond well to it. And now they're down 2-0, not going to bury them. Um, uh, but, you know, and obviously Columbus was in the spot last year. And, again, you know, the Capitals were not as big of a favorite it's at this point uh, in the first round like Tampa is this year. But again, they were on the they, they were on the spot, Washington, and they showed their res, again that word resiliency, and their their metal, if you will, was being tested, and they got through it. Now, if you go back and recall, that game three went to overtime, and I think Columbus at the yeah, crossbar, double over, double, thank you, sir, and and uh, uh, Columbus at the crossbar, so they came within a millimeter of going up three zero, and in fact. I think Lars Eller kind of scored a fluky goal and wind up winning that game for Washington. So, But sometimes that's what we'll take. So uh, Columbus, uh, Tampa's on the spot tomorrow, and I'm sure there's a lot of very nervous Lightning fans, and, and they probably thought that this round was there wasn't going to be one nervous moment. Uh, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure on Wednesday night early on in that game, they probably didn't think that at all, and I can't blame them. But uh, and then we'll have to see what happens with Kucherov. If broken uh, news, sir, two games suspension. Oh. Two games. Hello. Two games. Wow. Well, you know, I yeah. gotta say, I gotta say that it's warranted. I didn't think I they were. I because, uh, real quick, and I'm hogging the segment here, and I give it to you. But I really, uh, I didn't think he he was gonna get it. I get a suspension simply because a no one got hurt. Uh, B, he's one of the biggest stars in the game, and C, the position that Tampa's currently in. I thought he had to get at least a game because he is so lucky that he didn't really hurt someone. That was a very dangerous thing that he did and a very stupid thing that he did out of frustration. And that can't happen. And um, so good kudos to the league. I think they made the right call. um, that that can't happen. So, you know, look, they have plenty of firepower besides him, but, uh, you know, they, they're on the spot tomorrow. Yeah, you know old school days, you could just about uh, – I was going to make a, a, a horrible joke, and I just caught myself. You could do just about anything to anybody in the playoffs, and you weren't going to get suspended. But the last couple of years, the league has been doing what I think is a good job <clears throat> in – carrying the discipline forward into the playoffs. Um, if you remember in the Vegas Golden Knights series last year, uh, Dowdy took a run and carried his head and got a game. Um, That's right. I want to say that Wilson – This was far worse, by the way. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Wilson, Wilson got a game off in the playoffs too last year, I think. Um, so they're doing a better job. The um, I think if you want to compare it, but I, I saw the comparison to the Cadre hit. Um, I think that one was a. I don't know. You could kind of compare them. The Cadre hit. The, the the guy he hit was already engaged with another player. So, but not as maybe as vulnerable a position as being down on your hands and knees against the boards. And it is, you know, raised up into the hit. And this, he did, you know, leave the ice to deliver the hit, but that's because he didn't have to. Um, and that, 
he is lucky that he didn't hurt anybody, but I don't think that you should legislate penalties based on whether an injury occurs or not. No, I agree. You just, you. Le- you just legislate the act. Whether he was fortunate enough not to injure somebody is great, but I don't think you dictate a penalty on what the results are. You dictate the penalty on what the act is. And he had already. Oh, I, I agree. With you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I was just thinking how the league was going to rationalize, uh, right. rationalize the play, and I'm glad they took that tact. And, um, and nothing against Tampa, um, uh, you know, um, you know, for uh, big, big good friends with Dan Harrigan. So I'd like to see Tampa win for him and, uh, and, and you know, and everyone down there. Nothing against Columbus, but uh, uh, but yeah, I think the league made the right call and. You know, we'll see. We're going to see what they're what Tampa is made of. Uh, John Cooper called it. They're in a what a five alarm fire right now. So yes, sir. Um, you know they have to. Um, Tampa has to come out, play their game, play intense without being tense, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, no, that's well. So, uh, so we'll see what. Um, and um, you know Columbus. Uh, obviously, have you know? I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not sure if it helps them or hurts them that they've been in this exact same position as before. And um, I, I, I tell you what, if Tampa, <laughs> yeah, I, I am with you. If Tampa comes back and wins Game Three in any way or fashion, I think they're going to win the series. Uh, I think, I think for Columbus to win the series, they need to win Game Three. As crazy as that sounds. I, I would agree with you, except for the Kucherov angle. I, having two games. That's true. Off, not I, having him I, for the two games. Yeah, right. I think if Columbus wins one of the next two to go up three to one, or three to nothing, then I think they get him. Um, it, it is, you know, ironic they were in the same position last year against the defi- the, the eventual Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Um, Boy, you know, what, a, on, what a situation would be if Tampa would have lost in the first round. Well, we've seen it before with the Washington Now Capitals. I know, recently, but... The, uh, the President's Trophy team getting bounced in the first round. <laughs> um, Anaheim's done it. Washington's done it. We, we've seen it happen, so... <laughs> yeah, but they were so much be... better than everyone else. That, that mm-hmm. we, have, we haven't seen a team have the regular season, like, the extent... I, I mean, I don't think that the extent that they had... Um, uh, that would be that would be a big blow, and it would be interesting to see how the team would react. Um, they just signed John Cooper to an extension during the year, um, yep. so I wouldn't think that something would happen to him. Um, I wouldn't think, but uh, that would be. Um, uh, although if they wound up getting swept, then I wouldn't say I wouldn't rule out anything. But having said all that. Well, we're 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 not there yet. So let's well, see what Columbus in the, um, in the playoff preview said that if if Columbus can knock off Tampa Bay, then Kakalinen's off the hook. I don't care if they get no draw picks coming up. <laughs> that uh, they they win their pass for me. We were saying what it would take at the trade deadline to make this a worthwhile gamble, and it was Eastern Conference, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup Final at least. Um, if they if they bounce Tampa, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with it. Even if they lose, you know, Duchesne, Panarin, Bobrovsky, whatever. And, and another thing Bobrovsky got off his back was that he had never uh, given up less than three goals in a playoff game in his career, and he took care of that last night. So that's that's off his back now. And Bobrovsky may get better as this series goes on because of that. Absolutely, it's a good point. Let's save the Islanders for last before the OT segment, Islanders pens, because the other two series have only played one game. Quick thought on each for me. Um, great first game for the Leafs. Hate to say it, but it was true. Um, yep. Bruin, Bru- you know, good game Surprising. by Freddie Anderson. Um, Bruins are in the same position as Nashville. Don't want to lose the first two games at home, no less. So they need a big effort uh, today. Um, not If I was a Bruins fan, I wouldn't be picked uh, – Hitting the panic button, but um, yeah, it's a big it's a big game for them today. And the Caps uh, game, uh, I caught uh, some of that on Thursday night. 
I'm like, uh, I, I flipped it on. I thought it was going to supposed to start about a half hour later, and I flipped it on a little bit late, and the game was just a few minutes in. It was 3 nothing. I'm like, oh, my God, what the heck happened here? Yeah. And Carol- Carolina, again, like Vegas, took too many penalties, let Washington go to the power play. But I will say this about game one for Carolina. really like the fact that they, they, they even they after the terrible – that's right, after the terrible start to the game – that they made that a very tough game for Washington, and they had to kind of fight tooth and nail and kind of hang on a little bit at the end, if you will. So yeah, they did. Hopefully, so hopefully, so from a Carolina perspective, if they can peel off that, clean up the mistakes, and and use that and and play a full, you know, quality sixty minutes, maybe they could take game two and get yep. the split that they need. So that's what I'm kind of interested in seeing today. Uh, from from Carolina, Washington better um, come to play tonight because you, look, Carolina is a young club. They have just enough veteran leadership, but you know you're going to go on the road in a hostile barn, defending Stanley Cup champions, and you didn't get off to a good start. But they they righted the ship, they settled the they settled the waves, and Svechnikov came back in the third period and scored two beautiful goals. One driving in uh, from the right circle, flipped it over Holtby, and then just a few minutes later um, caught a cross-ice pass and buried it before Holtby could come back across. And it, it was definitely nailed by the time for the Capitals. That was, uh, I, I agree, kudos to to Washington for mustering the, the, the comeback and, and the nerves will be pretty much out of the building, and, and tonight we'll see where the series is going to go. If Washington can go up to nothing, it, it may it, you know it may be a short series. Um, but if Carolina can scrap in and get one, uh, maybe Washington goes on the road, drops a game, and then you, then you never know what could happen. Uh, I, I think in the other series, Boston and Toronto. Um, we need a, more, a larger sample size on both these, obviously. But, I mean, Toronto just gave it to them in Boston. Game one, came out ready to play. Um, Toronto, another team like the Sharks and the Golden Knights, they came down the stretch not exactly on fire. But they they got that out of their system, and they came into Boston and, and laid the wood to them. So Boston, Boston is in the, the situation now where they have to respond. And I'm, I'm sure they weren't thinking about that game one. Before and this one. is um, right. this is a this is a this is a lot of pressure on the Leafs in this series, in my opinion, because even if they play a great, this might seem unfair, but to me, this is going to be reality. Even if they play a great first round and lose, let's say in seven games, and could have gotten either way, at the end of the day, they wind up losing the first round. This will be the third year in a row that that they've lost in the first round. Now, uh, after from coming from the rebuild, now. Two years ago, they were dealing with house money, and they played great And uh, against the Washington Capitals team. Last year, they played a tough series, came back. I think they were down 3-1 in the series, but played a terrible game seven. Uh, you know, sooner or later with these teams, it's about moving forward with your program and moving forward with your team and towards the ultimate goal. And obviously, they had a very big offseason by signing the prize guy, John Tavares, the home, uh, hometown boy, if you will, last July 1. So uh, if they were to lose in the first round, and it would be like, all right, well, what are we? Where are we going? I mean, are we just a great regular season team and, and and you know, not a team that's going to have success in the playoffs? I mean, um, what is it going to take for this team to get going? There's going to be a lot of questions is my point. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot, you know, about this franchise. So, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot Real of pressure quick, we got, on the Leafs. we got three minutes. We got three minutes left, Chris. Get to okay. the aisle. Yeah. So basically, the questions going into the to um, the series was: Can the Islanders score enough? Can somebody or a couple people uh, come forward? Can their power play, which was one of the worst in the league for the whole season, let alone three for its last fifty and their last twenty-two games? Believe it or not, and you know they, for the most part, uh, have done a good job of. Uh, playing good overall team defense. Got a little spotty at times in game one against Pittsburgh. Too many chances. Robin Leonard bailed him out, won it in overtime. Much better job in game two. 
Jordan Eberle, Matt Barzell has really both stepped up uh, in this series, uh, both having uh, adding that offense. They got a power play goal in each uh, the first two games. They don't again. No one's asking that power play to be uh, off the charts. It needs to contribute, and it has contributed. So uh, they hold serve. Um, they're taking it one game at a time, as Barry Trot says. And uh, it, Nassau Coliseum was electric and loud and all that stuff. So uh, let's see if they can get a split in Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, uh, don't, obviously this. You know, the, the old saying is, you're not in trouble until you lose a home game. And, you know, yep. Pittsburgh is uh, a champ, championship-level team in recent times. So, a long way to go in this series. Yeah, real quick, we've got about two minutes left. Um, the one thing that concerns me as far as Pittsburgh fan goes is that we saw that, that early in the season and continuing on through that, that Malcolm's um, kind of losing his discipline a little bit. Um but when you see Crosby and Hornquist and McCain start to start to unravel a little bit and show their frustrations when you're big boys, uh, I think I saw a stat Crosby with three shots on goal and six turnovers in the series. That's not Sidney Crosby-like. That is going to be frustrating for him. But when, when your big boys are, are losing their, their, their discipline and control of their emotions a little bit, that's, that's when you start to worry as a team. And the – House money. I don't think Dallas are on house money. I think they've been a good team all year long, but you know they held through at home, and now they got to they got to hit game three running and continue frustrating that club because we've seen it bubble up now, especially later in game two. And if you keep that frustration level going, and their skilled players are worried more about you know their emotions than they are about playing hockey. That, that bodes well for the Islanders. Yeah, and real quick, they've uh, Trotz has put the young dual defense pairing of Pulak and Pellick uh, against when Corsi's been on the ice, and uh, they've played absolutely unbelievably great. So uh, I'm sure he's going to try to continue to do that in Pittsburgh, although Pittsburgh does get last change, so something to keep in mind to look out for uh, as a key. Perfect. We're going to get into the ping pong balls that were out of time for this week. Uh, we had to push yeah. Russ back to next week, and and unfortunately, Jeffrey. Russ is going to be with us next week, correct? Correct. We have Russ going next week. Promise everyone preview, sneak preview the draft, and then in two weeks we're going to have Rob Soria, and we'll try to get a little Edmonton Oilers talk and uh, oh, no. around the playoffs. So, because they're going to have a very big off season ahead of them as well. All right. Well, we are out of time for this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Sorry about the rush. Uh, we got to it. We got we. we we end up pulling it off. So that's live radio for you. Anyway, for Chris on Mark, this is the Vegas Hodge Podcast, and we're done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.